Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, read down to verse 3. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's begin verse 1. <clears throat> Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Join me as we pray. Father in heaven, we, we need help today. We need your strength and your spirit. We need your help. We need your grace. Father, I pray you would minister to the hearts of brothers and sisters here this morning. Men and women in need. We've come to worship we come because you alone have the words of life. And so help us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Truth of the matter is that from time to time we all are tempted to quit. <clears throat> the race is hard, the road is long. It doesn't feel like there's any end in sight. When is all this going to be over? People are mean. Work is terrible. The anxiety you have, it doesn't seem to go away. For some people sitting in this room right now, it is all you can do to put one foot in front of the other. You're not really sure how many more steps you can take. <clears throat> You've heard people say that they were at the end of their rope. You'd be glad just to have a rope. Look, if you're dead inside, if you're feeling dead inside, trapped in sin, or, or just living in a fog, this passage right here is for you. It's written by a pastor to a group of people that, that are right on the edge of collapse. You read the story. Some of them have fallen away. Chapter 11, this preacher lists this army of, of men and women that have gone on before us and finished their race. <clears throat> now he turns to us. Me and you in the arena. Beaten and beaten and battered and unbowed, but, but not because we're Invictus. Don't quote the poem Invictus and think that's you. We are not masters of our own fate. We are children of God. You've been bought and paid for by the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. We worship on a Sunday because of the victory of the resurrection in Jesus. We belong to Him. 
We are saved by grace. We are empowered by His love. We are strengthened by His Spirit. And now it's us. Not chapter 11. It's us. Running the marathon. The, the, the metaphor here is, is running. It's a race. Running the marathon. 26 miles. Running the marathon. And many of us have hit the wall. There are people sitting right here wondering if you're going to make it. You're wondering how you're going to make it through this. What this is. Look, God in our goodness has landed you at this point in time. Here we are in October. Who can believe that? October of 2022 with all of this. He's landed you here in this passage while you're in this. To remind you that you can be strengthened, that you can be healed, that if you're not a Christian, you can be saved. You're here to be told you can take the next step. And you can never quit. Listen, there's too much at stake. God is, God is too good and the gospel is too strong and, and grace is too real for you to quit now. It's what the writer's done. He's dropped us right into the middle of a, of a racing metaphor. Not a sprint, a marathon, a racing metaphor. And, and he sees us faltering, many of us faltering. A, met, a, a marathon's 26 miles, and you hit the wall at mile 20. And this passage is designed to give you a second wind so that by God's grace, you can finish you can finish strong and take your place with everybody else listed in chapter 11. It's not over yet. By God's grace and for His glory, you will finish the race. Now let's find out how. You go to the passage and the passage gives us a blueprint. A blueprint for how we finish our race how we continue running our race to the glory of God. Let's take a look at the first step. Here's the first one, number one. And that is to trust, trust in the good sovereignty of God. What do I mean by that? Not just that God is in control. It's one thing to trust that God is in control and He sees all that's happening. He is Lord over all. I want to put the word good in there. I want you to trust in the good sovereignty of God. That not only is He in control that He is good. He is our Father. He promises good. He does good for His children. And His control is good. Let me show you where I get it. Go with me right there in the middle of verse 1. Right in the middle of verse 1, go to the let us phrase. Let us run. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. A couple of things to see. Here's the first one in this in this one little phrase, and that is that God, <clears throat> God sets the course, not you. God sets the course. We don't get to choose the race that we run. 
You didn't choose the makeup of your personality. You didn't choose the construction of your DNA. You didn't choose the place you were born. You didn't choose the parents that you would have. You didn't choose the color of your skin. You didn't choose the way you were raised. The race has been set before you. God has put the course out. God himself has done this for his purpose and he's done it by his own counsel. He hadn't told us why. It is futile to ask why. God has the answer and he's decided to keep that to himself. But God has saved you and he saved you for what? To run the race he set before you. Run the race set before you with endurance. You see that word there in verse 1? Or, or, or patience. Remember Paul when he's given his famous explanation for salvation by grace, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You know that after he talks about how we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, this is what he says. We are created in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God laid the course out, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He created you for this. To walk through this for the glory of God. So that people will see your struggle know the weight you're carrying and give praise to the God who has strengthened you. Furthermore, look at, um, look at this course. Look at this course. The course isn't easy. Life isn't easy. Let us run the race that is set before us. Let us run the race with endurance. Let us run the race. You see that word race? The word race, it is the uh, Greek word underneath it is agon, A-G-O-N. It's where we get the word agony. Any runners in here know that that is very appropriate? Paul always uses this word agony, this agon. He always uses it to talk about hardship. Philippians, he uses, when he talks about suffering, he uses this word, agon. Colossians, when he talks about striving, agon. First, First Thessalonians, when he talks about people opposing him, First and second Timothy, when he's telling Timothy to fight, when he's fighting for faith, it's the word agon. Run the race. It's agony. That's this life. The race is a test of endurance. And then what it says? Run the race with endurance, with, with patience, holding up under the strain that you've been put under. But doing so, not because you're so strong, doing so for the glory of God. Isn't that what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he talks about the thorn in his side and we don't know what it is and he asks God to remove it. And you remember the famous, what God says back to him. It's good for you to hear that. That my grace, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in your weakness. You know what Paul then says? Well, if that's the case, I will, I will boast more gladly in this weakness I got. 
so that the power of Christ might rest on me. Some of you are going through things that I can't imagine. You're in it. And it may be a lifelong struggle. You're in it. You didn't choose this course and you wouldn't have chosen what you're having to face. You, that's not what you would have chosen. But that's not the command. The command is let us run the race that has been given. The, the course that's laid out. And let us take this agony, this suffering. And let's do it with patience. And we do that to the glory of God. How do we do it? I just, I'll give you a couple of suggestions. Ask God. Ask God to give you eyes to see His grace. Ask God to give you help to see, to see His grace. Ask God to give you strength for the, for the race that's, that's, been, that's been laid out for you. Ask God to help you in it. And if, this, if you can do this third one, thank God. Thank God for the struggle. Thank Him. You see, by God's grace and for His glory, you will finish the race. You should trust. I want you to trust in the good sovereignty of God. Something else you might notice in verse 1. Here's a second how-to, number, number, uh, number two. Number two, take courage. Take courage. You are not alone. Take courage. You are not by yourself. Go back up the, the page. Go up into verse 1. Let's start there in the beginning. And come forward from the very first phrase. Look what he says. Therefore, you know, that's a transitional phrase. Gave all those names in chapter 11. Okay. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So you get the idea. You've, you've been here long enough. Know how we go through the Bible. Get the idea. He's basing what he's getting ready to say in chapter 12 on everything he said in chapter 11. He looks back at all those people in chapter 11. All those people that, that have finished their race by faith. And he, he describes them as a great cloud. It's unusual to use that word. It shows up one time in the, in the New Testament. A great cloud. It's not just one little cloud passing by. It's like a clouded, a great throng of people. And the way he's pictured them, he sees them sitting on the rostrum in, in, in the arena. They're in the stands while they're watching us take our turn. But be careful how you do that. Be careful how far you push the imagery. These are not, these are not ordinary, these are not ordinary fans. These are not ordinary Panther fans. These are not people that came to church early and went on or just skipped church altogether and went to the game, got their jersey on, and there for the day, eating a hot dog, enjoying ball game, um, hoping for the best, which of course is misguided with the Panthers right now. <laughs> but they're there at the ball game, enjoying it with their friends, having a conversation, can watch here and there. That's, these are not just any spectators. Look what, look what the text says. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of, of witnesses, do you see that word? Underneath it is the word where we get the word martyr. We have a, a great cloud of witnesses, people that have suffered. People that have been in the struggle just like you. Go read chapter 11. They've, they've been through it. Some of them were murdered. They were tortured. They were sawn in two. They were destitute. They had their homes taken. 
since we got a great cloud of witnesses, people that know what we're going through, they know how hard it is, know what it's like to suffer, know what it's like to suffer and make it anyway, there is a certain level of comfort knowing that you are not. It's nice to know that you're not the first person to hurt this bad or, or fail this miserably. That you're not the first person that's ever doubted or wanted to give up. There's a great cloud of, of witnesses, men and women that have been on the battlefield and now are in the stands, they are there to encourage. They're there to give testimony to the faithfulness of God that, that by His grace, if those people can make it, then so can you. Now look, I'm not a runner. I'm, I'm not a runner. I don't enjoy running. I've done a good bit of it. I don't like it. Time ago to get in a race, they put you in the category, um, depending on how much you weigh, but they put you in a category called Clydesdales. That, that is a euphemism for you weigh too much to run. So I'm not a runner. I have run uh, several marathons. I didn't really enjoy any of it. Uh, one of the very worst marathons I ever ran was in Richmond, Virginia, the SunTrust Marathon, many years ago. I didn't train for it. Marathon's 26 miles. I didn't train for it. In fact, the day of the race, I, I had brand new shoes. The first time I ever wore those shoes. That's right. That's right. It was that day. So I'm running that race, and about mile 21, I just complete, I'm just completely unwound. I'm just barely, I have to just, I'm walking. I'm just barely walking. I passed by the mile the marker, mile 21, <clears throat> There's a random spectator, a guy dressed in street clothes, early morning, it's kind of chilly, he's got a Starbucks, standing there on the side of the road. And he says to me, this is a race, you shouldn't be walking. <laughs> now, if I, if I had the energy, I would have soup bone that guy. <laughs> it's demoralizing to have him say that to me. So I kept dragging. I had a few more miles. I got to mile 25, and I really didn't think I was going to make it. By the time I'm at mile 25, there are several runners that have completed. They've gone through and got their medal. They're covered in sweat. Several of them turn around and come back down the course. To us scragglers. And they started saying to us, I've seen them do it a lot of times. You're almost there. It's, it's just right up the road. You're going to make it. You, you can't quit now. You're almost there. That's what's going on right here. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run. Take courage, you, you are not alone.
Let me give you something else maybe that will help you for God's glory and for running the race, walking through, running through what you're in now. Here's a third thing. Number three, I'm going to say it with as much theological precision. You need to get rid of some stuff. Get rid. That's, write that down. Get, that may be get rid of a person. Somebody, something. There are some bad things you need to get rid of and quit doing. There are some neutrals. There are some things that are really not that bad. They're just distractions. Let me show you where I get this idea. Join me there in verse 1. This is the second let us. And this is what he says. Let us also lay aside. See that phrase? Let's lay aside every weight and sin which, sing, which clings so closely. Weight and sin. Weight is the neutral one. Sin, of course, is the sinful ones. Let's talk about lay, laying aside weight. What does he mean there? Lay aside, get rid of weight. Now, remember, we, we're in the middle of a running metaphor, and the writer obviously knows something about running. He knows, it's just common logic, the lighter you are, the faster and the longer you can run. That's why sumo wrestlers don't run marathons. Why marathoners don't get into the sumo ring? They get crushed. And the writer's saying, there's, there's, it's not bad to carry some weight, but it's, it's a distraction. It's not necessary for the race that you're in and it's holding you back. It's somehow getting in the way of you running the race that God has set for you. Now, this is going to be different. This is going to be different for everybody. This is... Your distraction might be different from my distraction. A lot of them are really good things that happen to just get in the way. Maybe it's not even a sinful thing. It's just, it's just a hindrance. Could be a person, could be a thing, could be an object, could be a dream. Five questions I would ask, and maybe this will help us think through. How do you know if, if something is a distraction? Here's the first one. Is is it distracting you from the Lord's day? What the thing is, it could be a good thing. Is it taking you away from gathering with God's people on a Sunday? Is it keeping you from being in worship on the day when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus that secures our salvation? Is it a distraction from the Lord's day? Here's another question that you might ask. Uh, is this a distraction from the Lord's work? From the Lord's work. What is, what is God, what has He laid out for you to do? You're able to do missions and ministry, sharing the gospel. With, are you so busy with stuff that you're not able to, to participate in what Hickory Grove is doing by way of missions or in your own neighborhood by way of just sharing the gospel? Is it a distraction from the Lord's work? Maybe from... This happens with the relationships a lot of time. Maybe just from your own call to ministry. There's young men and women here that God could be calling to vocational ministry. Here's another question. <clears throat> Is this person or thing or place or dream a distraction from the Lord's word? This is where, uh, as I was thinking, this is, this is what I battle. 
get up in the morning uh, to spend time with the Lord and, and put the coffee on. And while it's making, I'm always tempted to check the news or to get on Twitter and see, and I go down into a rabbit hole. And I've never seen time go so quickly as I look up and that time is gone. That's, it's not bad to have information. It's a distraction. Maybe yours is books or, or video games or working out or, or maybe yours is laziness. I don't know. Is, 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 is it distracting you from the Lord's word? I'll give another question that you can maybe ask. <clears throat> Does it distract you from the Lord's people? From the Lord's people. Travel's a good thing. Vacation's a good thing. Concerts, a good thing. Games, a good thing. But is your life so stacked with things that you're not able to actually participate in a D group? You're not really involved in your community group. You're not able to regularly meet with other Christian brothers and sisters to invest in one another, to enjoy the natural fellowship that comes from being with people that are redeemed like you are? I'll just give you another question here to help us think, what are the distractions? Is it a distraction from the Lord's will? Where you sense a clear, you sense a clear burden or a sense of call or a desire to honor God and something is blocking that. The preacher says here, let us lay aside. We're trying to run a race here. Let's lay aside the weight. What else do we lay aside? That's the neutral. Let's talk about what we can identify as sin. Lay aside sin which clings so closely. Do you see that in the Bible? Lay aside the sin, every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance. Sin clings closely. It's the general word here for sin. It's sinful behavior, sinful practice. So you can just list things if you like. Hatred, anger, envy, lust, lying, doubting, ignoring God, uh, complaining. Uh, just list them. And it's interesting, he tells us to lay aside the sin which clings so closely. The sin which you don't even know is there sometimes. You didn't know that was sinful. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 4. He talks about putting off your old self, which belongs to your former way of life. It's corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, putting off and putting on. What does it mean to cast aside the sin that clings so close? This is God warning Cain in Genesis chapter 4 that uh, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. This is the Puritan John Owen saying that you are to be killing sin. You are to be killing sin or sin will be killing you. So how do you, how do, you do this? One would be, take a, just take, I would take, a, take an honest assessment of where you are spiritually. Recount. It's good to count the blessings. It's also good to count the sins. Where have I sinned? And repent where necessary. Repentance is a tool of cleansing and restoration. Repenting. 
Repenting means to turn away, to turn away from sin and ask God to help you. And that leads to resolving. You should resolve, you could resolve this morning to live your life for Christ. Maybe if the sin is so deep and twisted into your character, you could just ask God. Ask God to help you get rid of some stuff so that by God's grace and for His glory, you can run the race that has been laid out before you. I'd like to give you, I'd like to give you one more how-to in this passage. You've heard a lot today, um, a lot of good things from Dr. Yuan and been here at church. So let me just give you one more. Number four, don't be slack in your, don't be slack in your devotional life. Don't be slack. You can't afford to. This, at this hour where we live, don't be slack. If you have been slack, maybe today resolve. You see the commands in verse 2 and verse 3. So you have two different ways of saying really the same thing. Verse 2, the writer says, looking to Jesus. You see that? Or fixing Fixing your eyes on Jesus, looking to Jesus. Then in verse 3, consider Him. Verse 2, looking to Jesus. That is to say, look away from everything else and focus, concentrate, Jesus. Verse 3, consider Him. That is to roll around in your mind, think it through. But then I started, as I was writing the sermon, okay, thinking about Jesus, that sounds vague. What do I think? About Jesus. Well, right here in the text, verses 2 and 3, I'll, I'll reduce it down to four things. Four things to dwell on devotionally. What's the first one? Let me give it to you right there in verse 2. Think on the finished work of Jesus. The finished work of Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Several things there. The founder and perfecter, the pioneer. He is the one given by God, who lived perfectly, died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And the promise of the gospel is any one of you that trusts that. You put your faith. He's finished the work, the perfecter of our faith. That word faith, you see that? It's not just faith standing alone. It is the faith, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's an object. It's a sum total of Christianity, learning good theology so that you know what it is you believe. We focus on the finished work of Jesus. We apply the joyous, finished work of, of what Christ has done on the cross. What else do we focus on? We need to focus on the mission of Jesus. What is the mission of Jesus? You see it in verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The mission was the joy. The joy was set before him. The eyes of Jesus looking at the joy. He's willing to go through the cross to have the joy. John chapter 17, the night before he was crucified for you and me in the high priestly prayer. Go read it sometime. And that prayer is filled with, God, with, with Jesus asking the Father to give joy. 
What was, what was the joy of Jesus? What did he have? He had the joy of pleasing his Father. He had the joy of saving sinners. He had the joy of defeating Satan. He had the joy of resurrection. It's why we meet on a Sunday, because of joy. It's good for you to think through the mission. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross... Look at the endurance, endured the cross, despising the shame. It's good for us to think on the cross. It's good for you to, to not look away from the cross. In fact, you put the cross in your mind and think of what happened before. Go to the Garden of Gethsemane and think deeply on Jesus in the garden asking God to remove the cup of sin that would have your sin in it. Think of the agony of Jesus in the garden. Think of Jesus on the pavement in front of Pilate being mocked and beaten by the soldiers. Think of that, the shame, that's shame. Think of Golgotha. Think about the cross, Jesus being nailed to the cross. Think about his flesh torn. Think about the pain, the suffering of Jesus, him dying, taking the wrath of God, not just, his, not just one person's, the wrath of God for all the sinners. Think about that. That Jesus looked through, endured the cross because of the joy. Think about the victory of Jesus. Verse 2 says that he is seated at the right hand, the right hand of the throne of God. Think of, of our Lord and Savior. He is reigning. Think of him as Savior. Think of him as King. Think of his intercession. This is here to give us hope. To give you strength. I mean, isn't that what verse 3 says? Verse 3, the preacher says, Consider him. Consider these things so that you don't grow weary and faint-hearted. So that you don't quit. God has brought you this far. And by God's grace, for His glory... You'll finish the race. I want you to trust today when you walk out, trust the good sovereignty of God that He has set a course before you. I want you to take courage. You are, you are not alone since we have such a great cloud of witnesses. I want you to get rid of some stuff. Think of what does that need to be. Lay aside the weight. Maybe it's just distractions. Lay aside the sin that's so close. I want you to change your devotional life. You start looking to, thinking on, considering, putting your mind and heart and focus on Jesus. By God's grace, for His glory, you will finish the race. Join me as we pray together with your heads bowed this morning. I want to ask a question and maybe just invite you. We're going to sing another song, and as we do, it would be a good time to, to ask God. Ask God to help you. Maybe you want to come and have somebody pray with you, one of our pastors pray with you. Ask God to help you in this race. There is a chance that there are men and women here that you're not sure you even started the race. And the way that race begins 
is turning from your sin and by faith, trusting the crucified, resurrected Jesus. This morning when we sing, if you'd like to talk to someone about that, what it means to start the race, you come forward. Our pastors will be down here. If you're not comfortable with that, our pastors will be in the lobby after church. It is a great day to put your mind on the goodness of God found in Jesus. Father, thank you for the word that encourages and strengthens us. And I pray that it would have its effect even today. Christ has been lifted high. We ask now by your spirit that you draw people to yourself and help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand please as we sing together?